Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. We say that first off in the class because we don't want to take half the class to warm up and start believing that. We want to believe immediately that this is what's happening. We're feeding our, our spirit and our faith on his anointed word, and we are growing. We are overcoming uh, the, the pulling back, the, the wanting to quit, the wanting to give up, and the thinking that things are too big and too hard. Uh, when your spirit becomes strong through being fed uh, faith food, the word of God, Things look different to you. Instead of seeming impossible to you, they seem reachable. And you know that with God, all things are possible. Get your Bible. Get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom with us. We've got a seat saved for you right here in front. We say that because we don't want you to have the idea that we're coming into your home or your, your office or your place. No, we want you to come in here in this faith-filled environment, we want you to turn off everything else for just a few minutes now and give you, give you full attention to the Lord because uh, Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You need to be fed. I need to be fed. Everybody needs to be fed something that'll build you up, something that helps make you strong. So Father, all of us agree together is touching this asking for utterance, asking for ears that can hear, eyes that can see, asking for the anointing that teaches and guides and reveals and, and reminds and, and shows us even things to come. We ask for the working and moving of your Holy Spirit everywhere this is heard and seen. And we ask you for answers for right now and we purpose to... Uh, Respect it and receive it and put into practice what you show us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look please in Hebrews, the third chapter, to scripture that we've been looking at for some weeks now, a series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. You'll find that unbelief is just, uh, it's one of the worst enemies that you have in this life. And it is a pervasive thing in this ungodly world. Uh, unbelieving, negative, defeatist, death-focused, talking attitude, it's just everywhere. And uh, if you talk defeat and negative and death and failure, hardly anybody will notice it because people around you are talking the same thing. It's only when you start talking life and victory and overcoming, that's when you begin to stand out. And that's when you begin to get things that other people don't get. 
you begin to get results in your life. But you have to overcome the unbelief because it'll, it'll try to get on you. It'll try to contaminate you. And if you don't know what it looks like, sounds like, feels like, you wouldn't even know to resist it. And that's the sad case with millions today. They're just yielding to unbelief and it's costing them, it's robbing them of blessings, but they don't even see it. They don't even realize it. They don't see anything wrong with what they're saying and doing and believing or not believing. So what we're doing in this study is we're going to the Word of God and we're seeing example after example after example, like the Scripture cautioned us to do, of unbelief, what it is, what it looks like, what it sounds like, how it responds or fails to respond. And you want these things etched in you so that whenever you're tempted to doubt that you recognize and go, uh-uh, no, I remember that's, that's unbelief. I'm not yielding to that. I'm not thinking like that. I'm not looking at things that way. I'm not responding that way. I'm not going to talk that way. And if you will guard your mouth and guard your heart, Proverbs says, you save your life. You save your life. So here in Hebrews 3, he said in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, he's talking to us, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Is he saying that the same thing that happened to them could happen to us? Is he cautioning us? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Go over to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and you'll see he's saying the same thing. Both of these passages in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, that's the Red Sea, were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now we've learned from studying faith here that Without it, it's impossible to please God. And they were, God was not well pleased with them, so we know there was a lack and absence of faith. He also was not pleased with them being overthrown in the wilderness. That didn't please him. That wasn't his plan for them. Verse 6 says, now these things were our examples. They're examples to us, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they lusted, don't be idolaters as were some of them. Don't commit fornication as some of them. Don't tempt Christ as some of them. Verse 10, neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now last week we saw that specifically, how that the people complained. Uh, Numbers 11 said they complained and it displeased the Lord and it caused destruction in their camp. And we saw over and over that when they murmured, 
when they complained, that was their unbelief talking. And the Lord gave me a phrase, I mentioned it last week, that uh, uh, doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. And that's just a, a, a little thing that you can check yourself on a regular basis. Am I complaining? Am I sad? Am I down? You know, am I despairing about the situation? Well, then don't call yourself in faith. You're not in faith at all. Tell me about faith. Faith rejoices. Even when it doesn't, what you're seeing and feeling wouldn't cause you to rejoice. You rejoice by faith based on what God told you with expectation of change. Expectation of this thing turning out good and turning out well. Faith rejoices. What else? It gives thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and unbelief doesn't do that. Unbelief complains rather than give thanks. Faith gives thanks and is glad. And that helps you to be strong enough to make it through the situation because the gladness, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Depre if the joy of the Lord your strength, what's depression? Depression is your weakness. And depression can be connected to your failure. Now, a lot of people would, you know, they hear things like this and they say, well, I, I don't want to be depressed. I just can't help it. Well, that's not true. Uh, I know it feels true. I know it maybe been, you've been that way a long time, but uh, it's a choice what you think on. It's a choice what you look at. It's a choice what you listen to and what you say. And no matter how long you've been down, how badly you've been depressed, even if you've been suicidal, if you will look to the Lord, if you'll begin to listen to what He says, and those words will begin to come out of your mouth, I'm telling you, it'll change today. It will change today. I want us to act on this right now. Now, you have to, uh, you have to yield yourself to the Lordship of Jesus, or you're just out on the enemy's territory. So if you haven't done that, you want to do that right now. Everybody said out loud, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, and I receive him. Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. I receive salvation. I receive forgiveness and cleansing and washing and all that you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. Now then do this. Put your hands on your head and say this out loud. Depression, heaviness, leave me. Go from me. I don't want you. I resist you and I command you to leave me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, as a believer, you have a right to use the name of Jesus. And the scripture said, if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. And depression and oppression and this heaviness is not from God. It's not good. It's from the enemy. Now, when you do that, it thinks something will happen. But you, you can't just then go right back into thinking about all the problems and, and meditating and talking the problem all the time or it'll come back. 
So you've got to focus on the right things. The scripture said, you know, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And it is a choice. Now, I didn't say it was always easy because the enemy will try to bring wrong thoughts to your mind and wrong feelings to you, sometimes a hundred times a day. And that's where the good fight of faith comes in. You have to, if he brings them a hundred times a day, you got to resist them a hundred times a day. Is that right? You got to stand against it. And, and, And many times you just need to speak right up and go, no. No, I don't receive that. No, that's not what's going to happen to me. No, I don't accept that. I resist it in Jesus' name. Then you start saying what God said. Hallelujah. You start saying, greater is he that's in me. Hallelujah. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. He supplies all my needs. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And friend, you start talking like that, resisting the the bad stuff, and start speaking the Word of God over yourself, your life will change. It will change radically. And that heavy death feeling that's been hanging on you, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. And you will experience the joy of the Lord. And man, there is no high like the Most High. (laughs) You can't find it in a pill or in a bottle. You can't smoke it. It's, a, it's the greatest thing there is, is the thrill of the eternal life of God coming up in you. And he has given you the peace that passes understanding, keeping your heart and mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, don't do the things that they did because it caused them to get destroyed. Verse 10, he said, neither murmur. As some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So obviously, complaining and murmuring is unbelief. And it gives place to the destroyer. It gives the destroyer access to you and opportunity to operate against you. The scripture tells us in in the New Testament, neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil any place. Complaining gives place. Now, if you weren't with us, we talked in depth about some of those things last week, and we won't go over all of them this week because it would take up all the time this week, but go online, faithschool.org, and you can watch and listen to all of the previous uh, classes, and there's no charge. It won't cost you anything. Now, he went on to say in verse uh, 11, now all these things happen to them for examples And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we, there's no question, uh, we're exhorted, Hebrews, and here in the New Testament, multiple places, that we are to learn from what happened to these guys that's uh, recounted in the Old Testament. That first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage with the plan of taking them into the promised land, the good land, the the wonderful place. And yet that whole generation, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, did not go into the promised land. They never made it. They died young. They died wrong. Their life was hard and barren and dry, and it was not God's will and plan for them. 
And the New Testament tells us we're supposed to learn from that. Now see, that is a vast difference from what even a lot of church-going people believe. A lot of church-going people believe that everything that happens is somehow the will and plan of God. And all the things that don't happen was somehow the will and plan of God. And that it's just all up to Him. But that's not what the Bible says and teaches and reveals. That's, that's not the reality. The truth is, God's will was for them to go into the promised land. Enjoy. He said, uh, he said uh, there, there's houses there for you that you didn't build. There's wells of water that you didn't dig. There's vineyards. There's orchards. You'll have, you know, herds and flocks and, and property. Well, now this is a, you talk about a dream for a former slave. This, this is amazing. And yet, that whole generation never experienced it. Not one day in the promised land. And yet God said that was, that was his plan. That was his will. So is it true, is it possible that something good can be the plan of God for you, but you never find out about it? You never get into it? You never enjoy it? You live and die and never enjoy it? May it not be, right? It, it, it ought not be, but what it reveals is it's not all up to God. It's not all up to Him. He's not making all the choices and decisions for people. We do have a free will. We can listen to Him or not. We can trust Him or not. We can follow Him or not. We can obey Him or not. And sadly, most of the world's population, they won't give God the time of day. They got no time for God. Many of them don't even believe He exists. And so they're not going to live in His will and plan for their life. They'll live and die and never even find out about it. We can't control all that. We can control our believing, right? We can make up our mind, no, I know God is real. No, I believe he has a good plan for me. I'm willing to listen to him. Even if most of the world is not, I'm willing to listen. Come on, say it out loud, class. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to follow him. All the way. Praise God. Now we see the next generation after that one under the leadership of Joshua, they did go in. And what, the, what their parents thought was impossible, they said the giants are too big, the walls are too tall, there's no way, no way, no way. Well, that wasn't true because their children and grandchildren did it. They went in. They got through the walls. They conquered the giants. So what, what it reveals is their parents could have done it. It could have happened for them. They could have enjoyed it. We, we can't control, you know, the past is the past. That's, that's behind. We can't control what everybody thinks around us. But thank God, nobody is in control of your believing but you. Hallelujah. And you can make the right choice. And faith is the difference. You know, the Lord had said to them, uh, talking about that first generation of Israelites, Israelites, He said, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. You choose. Oh, did you hear that? Yes. You choose. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. 
So was it God's choice? Was God choosing for them? No. So don't listen to all this religious junk that people are pushing and have been pushing for generations. That it's all up to God. He's already made all the choices. It's not up to you. Everything that happens is God. Not true. Not true. Get your nose in this book. Right? Read this. This is truth. This is how it really is. How he's working. And so he said, um, uh, verse 12, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't, Don't let those things happen to you. Now, go with me back to Numbers, the 11th chapter. What we have done is uh, begun looking at an episode or event, if you want to call it that, after event. From the time God delivered those people out of uh, Egyptian bondage, out of slavery, to the time they got to Kadesh Barnea, which was the the border of the promised land they were supposed to go in and, and inherit, there were 10 major episodes where they failed to trust God. And by Numbers 14, the Lord was really upset with them, with good reason. And he said, these 10 times you've tempted me and refused to listen to me, refused to believe me. And so that was at the point where he said, you've been saying You're going to die out here, and that's what's going to happen. In other words, you're going to get what you chose, what you said, which was not his will. Not his will. He he wasn't making them say, we're going to die in the wilderness. He was trying to get them to say something else. But he couldn't get them to say it. Somebody said, what do you mean God couldn't? Not without overriding their will. Now, he has the power to do it. And obviously in the knowledge and wisdom, but if he overrode their will, overrode your and my will, we would no longer be what we are. We wouldn't be free will human beings. We'd be something else that he's controlling like a puppet. He could have made us that way if he wanted to. That's not what he wanted. He wanted, and he has, praise God now, a family. A family. People that believe in him because they want to. People that love him and serve him and follow him and trust him, not because they're made to, not because they have to, because they have chosen to of their own free will. And you can't have real love unless there's a choice. You can't have real faith unless the person has a choice. And so God will accept nothing except the real thing. You know, if you don't want him, then you don't have to have him. But there's only one other bunch. That's the enemy and his bunch. If you don't want God, then you don't want heaven. You don't want eternal life. There's only one other group. There's God's enemies. And uh, that's, that's the worst place you could wind up. But uh, in these passages, we've looked at one at the Red Sea and then two at Marah. And then what was it, Rephidim, and, and then it was at the, you know, the mount where the law was given. There were two episodes there. And we're up now to number nine in our count. And it begins here about verse four of uh, chapter 11. Chapter 11, we had just got in the f- previous verses looking about what happened at Tabera, at the place called Tabera, which means a burning. 
And here in verse 4, it says, The mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. The Hebrew literally says they lusted a lust. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us flesh to eat? We'd say today, meat. We want meat to eat. We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away, and there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Verse 10, Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly kindled, and Moses was also displeased. What are we, what are we studying here? We want to see what happened to them and why it happened, and make sure it doesn't happen to us. What does unbelief sound like? Unbelief is a whiner. Hmm? Unbelief is unthankful. Did you hear what they said? They said, all we got is this manna, and we're tired of it. It's just manna, manna, manna. I'm sick of manna. Well, dummy, what would you have if you didn't have manna? You're out in the desert. There are no grocery stores. There are no restaurants. Right? How are you going to survive? God is sustaining you, and he's already told you, this is not where you're supposed to stay. You're supposed to be headed to the promised land. This is supposed to be a very transitory, very temporary thing. You know, uh, faith understands if something's uncomfortable at the moment, it's just for a moment. Right? You don't get down over the discomfort of the moment because, you know, I'm headed there. I'm on my way. I can, how many understand, you can put up with a lot for a day or two. Right? You just tolerate it and get through it. And know you're on your way. But here they are exasperated. They are unthankful for the manna. They are going, you know, we had, we had watermelons and fish and onions back in Egypt. Back in the good old days. Unbelief looks back and romanticizes the past. Did, did you forget you were a slave? You were somebody's property? They worked you like an animal? Unbelief is an evil thing, but it's very subtle, and it can creep in, and it can contaminate a whole group if you listen to it, if you entertain it. Said out loud, our time's winding up today. Said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to be unthankful. I refuse to complain. I refuse to look back longingly and romanticize the past. I'm looking to the future. The future is bright. God's got a good plan. He's taking me to a good place. I'm rejoicing in it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Well, our time's up again for today. As you can see, we just introduced the text on number nine here, but uh, I hope you come back with us all week because we're going to uh, get so attuned to faith and unbelief that we can smell unbelief a half mile off and we go, yuck, yuck, I'm not having anything to do with that. 
We'll see you back soon here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 